Your own goods. Wish you'd stop being so good to me, Captain. Don't you ever talk that way to me. Never! Never! What we've got here is failure to communicate. Welcome to another episode of Read the Room on the No Filter Network. Welcome to another episode of Read the Room there, Mr. Cochran. Sir, how's it going? Always a pleasure to be with you on Friday. So who do we have with us today? Well, we have a distinguished gentleman from Washington. (laughs) Don't hold that against him. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, Mike Gula, who is a shark uh, in a very small ocean. Let me put it to you that way. Mike, welcome to Read the Room, brother. Thanks, my man. Appreciate appreciate you uh, having me on. Absolutely. I, of course, am wearing a hat from the fucking center of the universe, all right? Because <laughs> really we is. all know Florida it's is now freedom, isn't it? Yeah. red as a red Crayola. It's right? New Oklahoma. <clears throat> It is. Yeah, it's the new Oklahoma stacked underneath Ohio. Stacked underneath, you know, right? Yeah, it's just, it's great. It's great. Well, um, I really appreciate everybody getting on to, you know, another episode of Read the Room on the No Filter Network. The No Filter Network. There we go. Um, Mike Gula, thank you again for being here. Um, Rick, uh, Mike and I have known each other for a long time. And I'm going to let him, uh, since you're already in the Christmas spirit, thank you very much, Uncle Rico. Uh, I'm going to let Mike give you a little bit of uh, background on how he and I know each other and his assessment of yours truly. Oh boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have to say wonderful things about Mark first. Um, what, what I love about his podcast is he he's one of the very, very few people who actually do speak the truth in D.C. He's one of these people that says it the way it is. Um, and, and he'll and he'll tell you to your face, which is a very rare quality. And that's why I think he's got a lot of respect, not just on the Hill, but a lot of the Governor's Association all around the country, because it's it's so few and far between here in DC now that people actually are telling the truth to people's faces and not behind people's backs. People who you see, they will ask you for a favor with the same mouth that they'll trash you with. And that is just DC. So that's what I've learned the hard way. That's what Mark, I'm sure, has gone through. Um, but I'll tell you, D.C. Is, is a fantastic town. You do meet some great people, but a lot of people are just afraid to tell the truth, whether that's lobbyists, whether that's members of Congress, whether definitely the media. Um, yeah. There's a, a massive misconception of D.C., how it's run, who runs it, what actually gets done, what can get done. So, um, yeah, ready to dive into any questions. I, I love politics. I did it for 22 years, um, got out, and it was it was a great career. Yeah, well, I can see that you're very well polished. Um, I do want to know how much Mark paid you for your opening monologue, because Whoa. normally he has to humble brag on his own. So when he has a guest come in and do it for him, it's a real treat for me to really get put more of the puzzle pieces together 
of just who Mark Smith is. Well, well it's that called mailbox know. money. He sends me a check every single month. Right. I will be his biggest advocate. FTX, baby. <laughs> but we've moved yeah. over to Binance, so we're good. Some of that we're FTX good. currency. CZ is our boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, man, you know, no, I appreciate that. Mike and I love each other. He's a great guy. We actually, we, you know, we're a couple of people in D.C. that actually fucking trust each other because we tell it, we tell the truth, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I was at this RGA meeting for three days, just got back uh, yesterday, and, you know, some good people there, some fucking toadstools walking around in shoes, uh, others that are just a bunch of syncophants, uh, et cetera. But, you know, Mike knows like, like himself, I mean, you know, these, these members, these governors and stuff, they, they know me, you know, they, they, they know they can get a straight story from me. Uh, and, um, and I don't hold back. I mean, Wednesday morning, when did I come home yesterday? No, Tuesday morning, um, three chiefs of staff called me on the phone um to ask me about what they should focus on in three different speeches right that they were going to give to three separate groups that morning on um now the, between now and the end of the lame duck what the priorities should be right for the 118th congress the new congress that starts january 3rd and how we should go about um facilitating what voters said no to in terms of the Democrats, but also, and, and a good example is Oregon Five, Kurt Schrader's former seat, uh, a Democrat that got flipped, uh, or um, in, uh, in the case of Republicans, where voters went, no, no thanks. So that's the kind of fun that I get to have, and, and, and it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, well, I can tell you just being in Arizona, we certainly did not expect to see what we saw. Now, obviously we're gonna have more and more reports about the shenanigans and the inefficiencies of our election process. Only in America are we able to fail upwards. <laughs> Only 100%. in America. 100%, especially in politics especially in politics especially like in politics. i mean we've got cases across the board i mean who all of biden's uh, cronies all of them have failed upwards but you've got this bozo katie hobbs who hides in a basement a la biden in the 2019 2020 election cycle um refuses to debate she's our secretary of state has one job yeah. one <laughs> job <laughs> and that's to make sure our elections go off without a hitch. Yeah. That's it. That's all and you have to it's do. failed in two election cycles to do that. Yeah. 2020 and, and 2022. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, your, uh, your um, current governor told a friend of mine who everyone on this broadcast knows also, if I were to say that individual's name, uh, that... Um, she is one of the worst candidates and administrators in any aspect of government that he's ever experienced. So yep. I feel really bad for, um, you know, I've worked in Arizona's legislature since 09. Um, I understand its dynamics, et cetera. And so I, I am hoping 
that the Republican legislature will effectively maneuver around the, the uh, executive authority of the governor and lead the state forward because it's going to need to happen. She is not going to be able to do it. Well, it's not. I love what you're saying, and that would be great if it happened. I just don't think that's going to be the case. The shocking part to me was is how many – I don't want to call them idiots because you know people are allowed to vote the way they want – but it should have been an open and shut case. I mean, we shouldn't right. be needed to worry right. about counting to the last minute. Like, it should have been a landslide. And it just goes to show how staunchly entrenched people mm-hmm. still are in what they read in the media and social politics. Like, for some reason, her challenging the 2020 election results makes her an election denier. But when Biden does it during the Bush era or Clinton goes on and says that all the elections coming right now in the midterms were fraudulent and that we're setting up for a fraudulent 2024, for some reason, she is allowed to do that Mm -hmm. and not receive scrutiny or be put under the firing squad. Well, that's the that's the media. So that's the media yeah. uh, at large, and um, but it shows how Hillary... stupid people are to still believe yeah. the media, and the they, they just don't want to believe the legacy media. So I had yeah, a game but... for us to play, and we can play it later. I made but... a questionnaire based upon uh, political preferences and your political personality. You know what that looks like, Mike? That looks like uh, uh, Hillary Care. Oh, yeah, exactly. From, We're uh, like a homeland. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, that a carry like. from homeland. That's, so that's, been, that's frightening. Okay. Yeah. Wait, that's the wait, that's the inside of someone's colon. Okay, so get that out of here. We don't yeah, want I did a Soros chart and just connected every single little piece to him. Uh, well, all, you've, been, you've been busy. Yeah. You've been busy, right? So just to really quickly address, I mean, Hillary is the original election denier back in 2000, right? Yeah. And they're about, if you believe the media, they're about to um, elect as the leader of the Democrat minority in the House. I love saying that. Um, Hakeem Jeffries, who's a complete and total um, leftist douchebag. So they're casting all of their chips on the far left, right? So one of the first things I want to talk about, and Mike, I want to get your insight on this, and and Rick, um, really listen to Mike's execution of some of these things, um, is the theme of today's show is the big short. So we came up short, Republicans did, Democrats came up short in being able to hold the House, Um, they flipped a Senate seat, right, they may or may not hold on to a Senate seat on December 6th in Georgia. We'll see. Um, Damn you know, uh, ride. Yeah, the Alaska um, interim congresswoman that flipped Don Young's 49-year yeah, Alaska seat. I know, man, um, is just crazy. was projected to win. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll get into candidate quality and all that crap later. But on the big short, Mike, what is what is your assessment of why that happened? 
Sure, just a, just a real quick brief for, for some of your guests. Let me, let me say this to guests. Anybody that wants to come in and ask a question, feel free to type it in or just go and look down where the little hand is where it says knock. And if you want to come on uh, on board and we can see you, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to let you in. Sure. So um, just to give you perspective, I was in politics for 20 years. My Republican fundraising firm, we were the largest Republican fundraising firm. We raised over $500 million over 20 years. Uh, my late business partner, John Graham, was an unbelievable force and unfortunately died of a, died tragically um, in 2018. Yep. That really started to withdraw from politics. Um, he was the mastermind. He was fantastic um, and really helped grow the business. So I, I was inside on the very, very personal level of seeing members of Congress, committees, committee races, how it all works. And now it's nice to see an outside perspective, how the average American really sees politics. Um, so your question was what happened of why we didn't demolish Democrats as this race? I think it really comes down to three basic things. And, and you hear this all the time from members of Congress that come on TV, pundits that come on TV. Why didn't we win? Why didn't we win more? They know why we didn't win more. They just don't want to say why we didn't win more. It comes out of three things. One, polling. Our polling sucked. Completely sucked. Our pollsters are terrible. National pollsters suck. State pollsters suck. And it's because if you don't know what you should be running on, how could you possibly win? Possibly win. So, it, we tried to run a national race in every single district, every single state. And you can't do that to win in these districts if you want to win 30 or 40. The second reason, we threw good money at terrible races that we never should have thrown money in. Arizona, we lost. We heard the last two to three weeks, we started dumping money into where? Washington State. Right. In New Hampshire that we right. actually should have done better. And what we do? We lost by 10 points or more in all of those seats. Yep. Think that you would have dropped a little bit more money in Arizona. Outside groups spent $240 million in Pennsylvania. Think if we would have dropped 10 more from that 240. Big reason. And three, we, the Republicans, I blame the Republicans. I do not blame the media for this. Republicans have allowed the Democrats to classify the Republican Party as, as extremists, the entire party, okay? We, have, we do nothing to combat that. We allow Congresswoman from Georgia, Congresswoman from Colorado to be our face of the party to a degree, and we are viewed as extremists. What do Republicans do? They go after the squad. They go after Nancy Pelosi. They basically just go after four people instead of the party. They list them as extremists in the party, not the entire Democrat party. And that was really flipped off, it really turned off independence and being viewed as an extremist across the board, of course we lost some of those races that we never should have lost. And the independent vote actually split almost 50-50, which is unbelievable mm -hmm. when you consider the numbers that Biden has at the top of the ticket and the economic uh, issues, et cetera, mm -hmm. all the way down to crime and so forth. So, you know, Rick and for everybody else in the audience, I mean, my, you know, my assessment of this particular um, race um, and, and really our 
goal of having a red wave is that we are horrible on messaging, candidate um, quality, and also where we put our money. And it comes down to that. But Rick, you've got a question. Um, so go ahead and ask that and I'll, uh, I'll chime in on something else here in a second. I actually don't have any questions. All I have is input because uh, what you guys are saying is pretty square on the head. Uh, candidate quality, where we dump the money. And I can't, messaging was a big part. I can't, what I think it was is people still care about social politics. You know, we thought that, we thought that the economy was going to come in and be the giant overhaul. I mean, Biden's a train wreck. And we thought that was the economy was going to be our saving grace, gun in the mouth. Everybody's going to fall in line. So many right. people still cared about Roe v. Wade and abortion rights. And Republicans didn't do enough to frame what they were going to do to either rectify this or tackle this issue. We didn't discuss for the states that were willing to compromise. You know, you hear about the ones that are cutting it off the table, but what about some of the states that are have candidates that are willing to allow a 15-week term, stuff like that? You know, independents and Democrats that were towing the line wanted to hear something that wasn't what they've been told, which is, Roe v. Wade means that abortion is going to be banned all across America, and then they're going to go after gay marriage, and then they're going to start uh, colonizing homosexuals and LGBTQIARS2F+. Emma, uh, the alphabet people, M-O-U-S-E. Yeah, and I've got a fun, I got a fun question for you guys right now. So you know, before you ask that, I'm going I'm to touch on that just for a second. So <laughs> I don't care if you're Ronnie Jackson, who's a doctor, right? And uh, White House position to three presidents. I don't care if you are um, Nancy Mace, who, who unfortunately had a, a violent experience in being raped, or I don't care if you are, um, let me think of a, an older member, um, Hal Rogers in Kentucky, who's safe as a cat with kittens, right? We should be able to talk about abortion that's been around for 49 years <laughs> since since before Reagan, okay, um, definitively without worrying, once, once again, back to polling, pollsters, and consultants uh, about pissing off Tony Perkins at the Family Research Council or uh, not saying the right thing if you're a Democrat with Planned Parenthood. So you can frame this issue that at least three generations of voters know about and have an opinion on and not run away from it. We didn't do that. Climate change, same thing. Um, show the reality of it not being ready for prime time to pull everybody out of fossil fuels and start burning wood like the Czechoslovakians are doing. The Czech Republic are going back to coal and wood burning this winter right now as we're on this broadcast that's disgusting okay yep. so, so we how need do to you do present that things, but, then but to how, your, to how, your go ahead 
So we are hearing messaging. We did a bad job of it. What do we need to do to get the message out better? Because Mike, obviously Mike, take that one side is Sure. I mean, what I really think is don't talk about Roe v. Wade on the, on the federal level. Don't have these members of Congress that will not affect Roe v. Wade. Stop talking about it because it, it right. turns off independence. Do people think Republicans yeah. believe in pro, in pro-life? Yes. So why talk about it? It's not a federal issue. It, even if Republicans got something through the House, which they have no business doing, the, the Senate would knock it down. It's not an issue. It never should have been an issue in this, in this election. We win this election based on independence. People already know we love guns. They already know we, we don't believe in climate change. They already know we believe in pro-life. So stop talking about those issues. If you want to win districts that that you shouldn't either shouldn't win, my whole point is you can't talk about these the same talking points in Florida as you do in Illinois. And that's 100%. what Republicans do. They try to make every issue a national issue and they don't make it a district issue. And that's what we should be doing. We should have won seats that we easily should have won, but they made it out to be radical Republicans want to kill women. And that's completely wrong. So, but so we that to happen. So a really good friend of ours, Mike, a former chief, John Walker, he and I were texting last week after the election. And one of the things he said to me is on abortion, every Democrat congressman voted for their bill, which would eliminate every state parental notification law. Talk about something we could have wrapped around their necks to neutralize the issue. So mm -hmm. you, you juxtapose parental rights in education to parental notification with a kid, right, that's being eliminated by every Democrat that voted for it. Republicans did not, because we're not going to eliminate a state's rights issue and usurp the Constitution, uh, which you don't have to get into that issue. But it's like they're yelling about extremism and taking abortion away. Did you know they just voted to eliminate your parental right to know if your child is pregnant or not? And, and, of course they and, did. And, and, and what I would say, why did we win the Virginia governor's race? Because oh, he talked about one issue. School choice, school choice, parents, yeah. parents yeah. should determine one issue. We try to talk about 14 or 15. Stop talking about 14 or 15 if you're going to make this national race. Yeah. One or two issues, period, end of discussion. That's all yeah. we should be talking about. Because people get lost. And also people don't know what the hell inflation means. Stop using the word inflation. The average American has no clue what that word means. They just need to be talking about you're paying more than you did two years ago, period. Also, we allow them to say this was Trump's fault. This is Trump's. That's easy. It's easy for Republicans to say, you know, what? it was Trump's fault. It was not Trump's fault. It was polling. It was throwing money at crazy, at crazy races, and it was allowed for us to be blanketed as radicals. It was not and equality. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Gibbs, John Gibbs in Michigan, the Democrats got their money in the primary out of getting this guy through the general, so they could take away Peter Myers' Michigan three seat away from us because this lunatic wore a MAGA hat, and that was the extent of his acumen to be a candidate for congress this guy was fucking crazy crazy okay and the reason kurt schrader who actually just wrote a washington post column today um who's a moderate democrat and once again aoc 
and the lunatic squad strike again for the 20th time out of the 80 or 90 primaries they've been in. They took a moderate Democrat in their own caucus, um, challenged him with a leftist progressive. She lost, and the mayor of Happy Valley, Oregon, who'd been around for about eight years, who's a center-right candidate, she won, and we flipped that seat. So both sides on the extremes, which are rejected by a disproportionate amount of voters in this election, got their asses handed to them. And it was a status quo election, and it rejected extremism. Well, well, one of the things that became abundantly clear, and I guess this is to the point of inflation, is that Americans just are too stupid. They don't know what inflation is. Correct. You know, we have done a bad job at targeting the youth. Like we we will not win that. We did a terrible job with Hispanics. Like we thought we were going to be a which is shocking and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. we thought that Hispanics were going to be the saving grace, and was not the case. And the mass migration did factor in. Story for another time. <laughs> but kids are stupid. I was a stupid kid. I'm sure you guys were stupid kids. The whole point of being a kid is to make mistakes and learn. No, Mike and I were as 40-year-olds. We're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, lucky for you guys, because I wasn't. And most Americans don't identify as an actual adult until they're 30. 30. The human brain doesn't fully develop until it's 25 years mm -hmm. of age. You've got kids that are 18 years old voting it's not an 18-year-old from the 1800s where you've been working for 10 years and you've been married for two. Yeah, like, I miss those good old days. Yeah. <laughs> These American adults don't know enough about the bread and butter issues to care. They only know what they see on their feeds. Right. They... they buy into so much nonsense. It drives me nuts because I have to constantly correct my friends when they post stuff from some random website, from some random person just talking. I'm like, you take this as actual journalism. When somebody opens their, has their opening statement start with, no siree, Bob, I'm not <laughs> going to take this. Oh, they must be working for NBC. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it. Look, look, let's get let's get back in, in, in my opinion on again why why we lose and we continue to lose. Right. It's it, it's yeah. because Democrats they play to kill, right? They want to kill us in these races. Mm -hmm. We need play to. I don't want to offend independents. I don't want to offend people. We have allowed them to punch us in the face and do nothing about it. And it goes back to say Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh got destroyed. What did we do? We sat back and allowed Democrats that had massively ethical, personal indiscretions ask these questions and destroy Kavanaugh. And what do we do? Nothing. We continue to, we continue to do nothing. Until you put a camera in all these people's faces and say, do you agree with this? Do you agree with that? Do you agree with, with what your party's doing? We will allow them to keep punching us yep. in the face. Because they're afraid that the media is going to steal a civil war narrative. That yeah, no, it's not just that. That we're going to we're going to 
unionize and mm -hmm. do all this other insane yeah. stuff. First of you all, what? if we yeah. were to do that, we would yeah. absolutely squash them in two seconds. I mean, let's we color inside the lines um, consistently. They don't have That's any great. lines. Yes, yes. Okay, they don't. They're like, Correct. fuck you. I'm good. I mean, look, man, and this is down the list on on the some of the stuff I want to talk about today. But this FTX problem, right? <laughs> Okay. Um, money laundering. Yeah, it's an untrackable exchange of funds, right? I mean, a bank note, the little piece of paper that you have in your wallet, if you even carry that anymore, uh, it is not money. It's a promissory note. Well, mm -hmm. we have it in digital form and it's called crypto and you can't fucking trace it. So everybody from, you know, gangsters to the DNC to use it. <laughs> and, and this guy, kid uh, Freed, uh, Bankman Freed, um, put a grift together to pay off politicians. Bottom line. And it worked. <laughs> because it's real fucking easy to do that when you start your own 527 or your own multi-candidate pack out of FTX, if that's what he did. Um, and then he gave a $40 million gift to the DNC mm -hmm. and then it went down in a bunch of rabbit holes, right? So he figured it out. He did it right. And in his, in his mind, it's going to come back and blow that, that up. These guys don't give a shit. Now, Mike knows who this is. Rick, you're not going to know who this is, but I'm going to ask you this rhetorically. You ever heard of a guy named Charlie Lindtree? Charlie Lindtree? Yeah. No. He's an Asian dude. You ever heard of him? He went to federal prison for doing exactly the same thing that SBF did with the Clintons in the 90s. He was a fucking Clinton donor from overseas. He was not an American citizen. They took the goddamn money anyway in, in the 98 cycle. Uh, or excuse me, the uh, uh, 96 reelect. Um, and we found out about it two years later and he went to prison in 99. They, they don't care. No. And so what do you think John Patrick Maloney was doing over in Paris uh, fundraising with just expats? Bullshit. This summer. Bullshit. So one more point that I have of why we lost, I know I said three, but one more major point that the Democrats have been doing since as long as I can remember, say the Denny Rebo race, they spend money on Republicans they don't want to face. For example, we lost six House seats because the Democrats threw money into real rational Republicans because they didn't want them to win. So they allowed the people they wanted to win, win. They put people like in the Rebergans with, with Tester. Six they put an independent up. So Tester, so Tester won. Same thing in Ohio with Josh Mandel. They got an independent to run. Independent to run. So it took four points away from Josh Mandel. Guess what? He lost by three points. We don't do stuff like this. We do not spend money on crazy Democrats. We can win and beat in the general. We just stay away from them and we prop up Republicans that we're going to win anyways. Yep. So there's two things we have to do. We have to do ballot harvesting and yes. mail-in ballots. We have yes. no other fucking choice. The, the ground is shifted. If we don't do it, we're fucking dead as disco from 2024 forward. 
And the second thing is um, we have to target uh, candidates in the primary the exact same way. We have yeah. no other choice. No other choice. You guys, ever, you guys ever heard of a candidate by the name of Barack Obama? Maybe. You guys have heard of him, right? Maybe. Once or twice? Maybe. So 2006, Michael, and you sent me this in, in some of your comments. So Jack Ryan was married to some B-list actress, right? Uh, they get a divorce. Jack's a candidate for the U.S. Senate seat in 06, right? Um, he gets a divorce. They seal his fucking divorce file, yada, yada, yada. They, uh, Rahm Emanuel, who I love to death. I mean, Rahm's a personal friend. Uh, so you guys can throw digital dirt at me if you want to. I don't give a shit. Um, they figure out, you know what? We're just going to get State Senator Obama to run. I know you know what they did? I know you know what they did, Rick? To make sure he would win, because Jack Ryan was good-looking, smart, and was going to take that Senate seat from the Illinois Democrat machine. You know what they did? They got a fucking judge to unseal his uh, divorce records, and they splashed it all over the media about him tying up his wife and BDSM and all this other bullshit, and he went down like the fucking Hindenburg. Why? Why did he go down? Because Republican leadership threw him out. Denny oh, Hassard and Randall Illinois forced yeah. him out. We forced yeah. the, the Republicans did this. It wasn't the Democrats who forced him out. It was Republicans who did it. Look at Denny we forced somebody out who could have beat Barack Obama. And because Barack Obama didn't lose then, guess what happens? The rest is history. So we did it. We killed ourselves. And it wasn't just the Democrats. And that's what we like Big to do. Time. The we always do that. Big gun barrels that goes like that. And it points back at us. What are you going to say, Rick? Yes. Well, that's just playing the moral authority cards. You know, that was, that used to be our stick. And now in a mm -hmm. world that has switched taboo wise, Christians are looked down upon. It's not 2000 or 2004. Um, the game has changed. And we're seeing, you need to have a little bit of fight in you. Right. You need to have it's, some it's, venom. I mean, it, it's it's a sad thing, but it's at like, some um, point the gloves have to come off because this there's so much work to be done, and so much like we we're we're moving in the right direction, and I don't want Republicans to lose themselves as a whole and become the exact same thing that we hate just to win. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want us to lose ourselves in that process. But we have to stop being pacifists and just taking gut punches. At some right. point, we have to deliver a haymaker. Right. It's, it's, it's like from my, one of my favorite movies, Godfather 2, and Michael Corleone says, we're all part of the same hypocrisy. All right? 100%. If they're going to hammer us, we hammer them. Let's make an easy example over – just a transgender issue where Democrats have no problem, no problem allowing kids to change their gender without their parents. Acknowledge it. They allow um, doctors to give them anti-hormone drugs. That is a national issue that 90, I'd probably say 98% of Americans are like, are you out of your mind? Are you yeah. out of your mind? We don't want to talk about it because we're afraid to offend 0.001% of the population. Yep. Yeah. And here, take, here's a like, question for you. They take contributions from those organizations that change like FTX. I mean, <laughs> and we could talk about FTX all day long. I mean, the fact that this guy was- But they don't care. 
Zork. No, they they don't, don't care because he. Did you guys see his interview with Vox? Like oh, yeah. how fucking amazing that was. Yes. Him yeah. Just blatantly shitting all over wokesters. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Played the dumb like, game. He's just flat handed like, them. Fuck them. I didn't mean it. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. So, can you guys tell me how many genders there are? Two. Two. There's two. Okay. And there's two scoops and there's, there's two, two fucking curves. That's there's it. Two, now, <laughs> let's. Now, the city of San Francisco and London Breed. Mm hmm. And the 1200 bucks. Ask the same question. Do you know how many. Genders exist in her city? 84. Yeah, I don't even know. On their little piece of paper. 97. There you go. Yeah. 97. And we, and we are now made to feel like we are bigots and homophobes if we just say, you know what? I want to raise my son and daughter to believe in two genders because that actually is science and provable. Yeah. And we're, and we're looked at bad if yeah. we just believe in two. 97 genders that's i mean that's absurd like i don't even know how to quantify the insanity that that is i mean they have words on there like i won't say the full thing but gender f gender f u c k that's a gender what t boy brother boy stud maverick I, I don't if our slogan was bring sanity back, we probably would have won 50 seats. Just bring sanity back. That's all we yeah, wanted. Right. The, the sexual orientation part has literal gay slurs on there. Like, if you identify as this, London Breed's going to give you $1,200 mm-hmm. for 18 months. Like, that is a real thing. The gift program is a real thing. Being greenlit. I mean, that's how are we not able to take that information and turn it on its head? Well, Glenn Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin did that successfully. Um, Dennis replaced, I want to say, 24 out of 30 uh, state board of election folks uh, in multiple counties. And I said this both in my political analysis report to clients, but also on this show and before. Uh, that these woke issues have got, I said this in 2020, I said between 2022 and 24, you're going to see a number of these things die out, both from the corporate level response as well as as parents. And so we're going to see the parents' rights issue become extremely important, both in the off-election cycle next year here in Virginia in particular, where we want to pick up two Senate seats, and then we'll have control of that chamber as we do with the House of Delegates, and the same in 24. So the exit polling of issues around parents' rights just continues to expand. It's very, 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 very strong, and we have to um, build around that everything from transgenderism, abortion, right. People understand abortion, that. They understand exactly yeah. what you just said. They don't understand Keystone. Stop talking about Keystone. Yeah. No. You, know, you guys are talking Bullshit. about what we need to do and start identifying what the individual states need, not trying to run on this federal election but target what the issues are in individual states. 
but also we need to take the gloves off. And something Lee Zeldin did that I liked personally is he stopped going PG and he started going rated R with his campaign. And he started yep. showing the shit that is happening in the streets. And yep. Arizona did a – Blake Masters did a terrible job of this. Carrie Lake Horrible, did yeah. a terrible job of this. As much as I liked Carrie Lake and thought she had charisma and did a lot of things with her campaign like videotaping the interviewer uh, – to the interviewee to show how dumb they actually are. I like that stuff. But we should have been going border, border, border. Fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. Crime, crime, crime. Shootout, shootout, shootout. Sex trafficking, sex trafficking. Like we, That should have been plastered all over. Every television, during every commercial. And all I saw was Blake Masters being a psycho. Being some crazy extremist. And... Carrie Lake being an election denier, sprinkled mm -hmm. in with a little Katie Hobbs is a chicken and won't debate. And nobody like, came to their defense. Yeah, nobody, no. nobody came to her defense. None, none. Not even the the. Of course, not the news stations that she worked for. Uh, I remember. I grew up watching Carrie Lake, so I remember but, Fox. Yeah, but we should have been plastering rated R footage of the border. Let people see it instead of saying, "Oh." We're with Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly's for the border. Like He's he an told the American people that he was for the border. And he his famous slogan was the buck stops with me. I go against Joe. And okay, Harry Trump. Well, you voted 90, what, 93, 94% of the time with what he brought down. That's not calling out Joe. And you didn't call him out on the border. You haven't done it. So there's little issues like this across every state that has some sort of crazy ideological bullshit happening. And if we could just hone in and stop pitter-pattering around it and being like, look, this is what it is. Start looking at it. Start seeing it. Start letting it sink in. Or we're just not going to make the headway we need to. 100, we, are, we are one state away. One state away from never winning the White House ever yep. again, and it's yep. Texas. Our life we lose Texas, it's White House is gone. Period. Yep. End of discussion. Forever, forever, Ever. forever. So I was at you know I was at the RGA you know the last three days, uh, like I said before, and I had a number of conversations with about eighteen different governors. Um, of, I'm particularly fond of the way that Brian Kemp ran his campaign. Brian is a friend, uh, full disclosure. Um, I said to him in May at the RGA meeting after the primary, I said, look, I said, you know why you won, you know, 23%? And, and, he, and in my head, I was like, actually, it was 21.7. And he turns to, he turns, because Mike knows I like know all this, you know, granular data he's like no dude, you know exactly what it was um J michael he he turns to uh one of his body guys he goes hey jimmy he goes what do we win by in the in my head i was like 21.7 he goes 21.7 is 23 is pretty good i said governor i said the reason why people voted for you in the primary and will likely you'll likely win in the general is when you stood outside a pickup truck with that shotgun and told people what you were going to do four years ago Guess what? You did it all. You did everything you said you were going to do. 
right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I said it to him again. I said, and in addition, his wife is there, who's who's a wonderful person. Uh, I said, in addition, you registered three hundred thousand more Republicans, okay, uh, since your first race, and and DeSantis, DeSantis lost by or won by thirty four thousand votes in twenty eighteen. And in the interim, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Plus, they registered over 600,000 new Republicans, and he won by 1.5 million fucking votes. Right? The same with Kim Reynolds in Iowa. The same with uh, uh, the uh, governor-elect in Nebraska that's taken Ricketts' seat, Abbott, uh, Florida, etc. Ohio. I mean, Mike DeWine, come on. Who the hell has been born for 60 years that doesn't know who the fuck Mike DeWine is. Because he's won every seat in Ohio. And so all these cats can teach us a very good lesson. It's the question is, are we willing to learn that lesson? Yeah, they run unafraid and unabashed. Here's a question for you guys. What is the difference in campaign contributions from the RNC to the DNC, specifically this last cycle? Is it an egregious gap? Is it usually pretty steady one near the other? I, I think that um, that body is irrelevant compared to the outside money that gets poured. Dark money. Yeah. It, it's it take take Pennsylvania for example. We might have spent, so for example, forty five million dollars. Outside group spent two hundred and forty million dollars. So yeah. the money that's given to the NRCC or NRSC pales in comparison to A, what the Democrats get in dark money, but what what Republicans also do spend just recklessly. So we have to spend more money from outside groups, period. But again, how do Democrats get more money from outside groups? I think it's because the Democrats, the people that give the Democrats care about the party. Republicans care about their congressmen and their state. People in Florida, if you live in Tallahassee, you're not giving to somebody in Illinois if you're a Republican. You just don't do that. Democrats do that all the time. So that's how these guys raise so much more money. They care about the party. We care about the member. Which is why we have to flip the script on them because they have this sort of altruistic vibe. They think that they are holier than thou, that what they're doing is outside of God's work. Like they literally think that what they're doing, the most efficient way to change the world is make as much money as possible and touch as many lives as possible. They have this sort of altruistic view that is so dilapidated and out of sorts. It's like Aaron Rodgers on crack. And and they literally think that they are some sort of like they're God given. And the point is, is we need to start proving that these people are crooked to their core Crazy. that they do not care about these altruistic virtuous sort of uh characteristics that they play up because we saw with the sbf guy he's like it was all bullshit it was all bullshit mm-hmm. it was all about money and it and it isn't just it isn't just that point it's it's not about uh flipping the script only it's certainly replicating what they do and the way they do it, but who can name the equivalent on the Democrat or the Republican side to act blue? Because I can't. And I mean one entity. I'm not talking about 
68 different entities, and that's part of the problem. There ain't one. There isn't one. Act Blue is a funnel from the equivalent from our side of all these individual uh, entities that goes into one. And it drives down into that hole, <clears throat> excuse me, and then it is distributed at a previously agreed to set of distribution levels to different candidates, right? And then they turn to their donors, whether it's Marcus Belitos with moveon.org or it's fucking Zuckerberg, and they go, I need another 300 million. And it magically like appears, just like SBF. That's how they yeah. do it. I mean, he literally had a line on his asset sheet that said, <laughs> yeah. defeat Trump. Like, red flag. Yeah. Correct. Whoa. Correct. But we don't. Right. But here's the difference, though. We, we <laughs> use that acronym, but why don't we say it's money laundering? That's all right. it is, is money well, laundering. Right. And people understand that word. Yeah. It, it's That's true. what we have to do. So one of the things I want to talk about right now is, I want to, Mike, I want to get your sense of uh, leadership races. Yeah, and how you believe um, uh, the leadership race will shake out, and then what the challenge is for um, the individual that becomes speaker. I think we both have a sense of who that's going to be. But talk talk to us a little bit about that from your point of view. Sure. Um, let's just start on the basic level of the one good thing of winning the House is now we control the committees. When you control the committees, you control the micro legislation that might make it to the House floor. But now we're able to bring everybody up before Congress and destroy them. You don't get to that level until you raise a lot of money for the party. Even if you raise a lot of money for the party, if leadership does not like you, you will never be a committee chair. If leadership does not like you, you will never get on the right committees. So. Yep. When, when you're talking about leadership elections, you have two places or you have, you have two seats that are never going anywhere. You, you have McCarthy, who's going to be the speaker, um, and then you have Scalise, who's going to be the, the leader. Yeah. Um, and then it's, a, I wouldn't say a toss-up, but the other, the other seats are, are a toss-up to a degree. People are talking about Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes to be the speaker of the House because he lost maybe 30 votes in a secret ballot. That is asinine, asinine to think he's not going to be the Speaker of the House because it's very easy to be in a secret ballot in conference to say, you know what, I don't, I don't like Kevin McCarthy. Wait till you go on the House floor and you got to stand up and you got to say, who are you going to vote for Speaker? And if you don't vote for Kevin McCarthy, you're going to end up on the committee for small business. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be on the small business committee. It's, 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 it's <laughs> laughable. But the, the Having a small majority is going to make it very difficult for Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. It's going to make it very difficult for the Republican Party because you have some crazy, too idealistic Republicans that want to sink him, that want to sink some of the Republican agenda. Just that, not I don't want to use that as spite, but they have, they're so convicted that they don't see the big picture that they will screw him for unnecessary reasons because they don't see the big picture. And that's where he's going to have a problem because it's too small of a majority. And then when you have too small of a majority, the Democrats will be able to say they can't govern. So in 2024, it becomes a, they can't govern, let's put the Democrats back in charge. And yep. so part of that uh, spite, if you will, uh, Rick, also comes from members of Congress of a caucus 
who are in an extremely comfortable seat. I mean, we're talking R plus 15, R plus 25 seat, red as red can be, wherever that is in the United States, and I could name 50 of them right now. Um, and they simply are convinced and can have the conviction of not him, right? Mm -hmm. So on January 3rd, they'll have to have a secret, they'll have a secret ballot in the caucus. They'll nominate the speaker, he'll come to the floor, he'll get the gavel from the old gal, uh, and then we can push her off the cliff in her wheelchair. Um, and, and that'll be it. But, you know, he raised 482 million for the party, 489 million for the party. So he's speaker. Scalise, there's no question about that. They, they've, uh, Emmer, Tom Emmer, who was the NRCC chairman, who personally, I think, should not be rewarded with. Thank the, you. Uh, should not be rewarded. Leaders or majority, yeah. Uh, majority whip slot. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, you fucking lost. Yes. Asshole. Yes. All right. Get yes. somebody else, you know, like one of the 35 women that we have. How about that? Right. Good Lord. You know, we don't want to Maybe do a minority. That. Maybe. Yeah. Fucking A. Yeah. Fucking A. So, um, uh, Elise Stefanik is a fucking badass and we would not be in the fucking majority if she hadn't flipped four fucking seats along with her former colleague, well, current colleague still, Lee Zeldin and his badass run in, uh, in New York. Last time we got, we, last time we got anywhere near five points of a Democrat was 22 years ago. He nominated fucking Pataki. All right. And he served what three terms. Anyway, my point is, is we don't have uh, that kind of clarity and we are unfortunately going to make some of these same mistakes over again. One of the yes. things I've been, uh, one of the things I've been hearing about, which is going to be a little boring for some folks, but regular order allegedly, hopefully God is supposed to happen, which means by June 1st, every authorizer and appropriator on subcommittees and full committees will have voted out their shit so that we can turn to the Senate and go, get it done before we leave for summer break. And then you turn to the White House and go, here it is, veto it or sign it, Grandpa, and put it on his desk. And that's what we have to do. And that allows us to stick with our commitments, both uh, commitment to America as well as our in our individual seats. We'll see if that happens. We'll see. We will. And some of the points that you guys bring up, we have to kind of pump the brakes. I know sometimes I personally have to because the fallout after this election really fired me up. But Mark You're made this point before. I'm ready. <laughs> I could probably be a pretty good candidate. <laughs> but we are doing some things right and the tide is shifting. It was a trickle. It wasn't a wave. We don't need to blow up the whole experiment just because we didn't get the results we needed to. We need to have kind of like poise and play the long game. There's things that we can correct, 100%. There's things we need to correct, such as campaign distributions in the right races, like stop wasting our fucking money in places that we know is damn blue, never gonna flip. Like, stop wasting it. Like, like New England. Yeah, anywhere, <laughs> yeah. Leave Massachusetts, anything that's pretty much bi-coastal above uh, 
on the east above South Carolina and all of the West Coast. But well, it'll it'll be. I mean, it'll. How old is your son again, Mike? Is he eleven? No, it's nine and seven. Nine. Okay. He'll be out of college three years before we see a Republican in New England ever again. Right. It'll be right. it won't be the next uh, census. It'll be the one after that. No. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. It's a bit of a fun one. So we know now officially we've taken back the house and there's going to be some hammers being dropped specifically on the Biden crime family. Will Biden be impeached before the next no, election? No, no, he shouldn't be. It's crazy. No There's no reason to do it. There's no reason to do it. No way. Exactly. What, you do, what you do with that, Rick, between oversight and there's going to be an oversight function on every committee, but between the oversight committee and the judge's committee is you build out a, a, a family picture book for the American public to flip through and let them come to an assessment of how fucking nasty this is. And then exactly. let the Democrats decide which uh, individual we're going to get to replace this old guy uh, and this do-nothing VP. Let them do it. Because by then, you'll have DeSantis has already gone through a 23 uh, legislative cycle. His fucking majority will give him anything he wants, right? House and Senate. They'll go, yes, sir, governor, not a problem. He'll sign it. That's done. Then he goes into his next session in 24. Um, people within the Biden realm could see indictments uh, and things like that. But you do not get anywhere near that because that's just the circus. Now... I hear Mike, what you're saying. What you We've all come to the same conclusion because he said no way, but that's not what I asked. I asked, will they? No. no. They, no. they won't. No. So you believe they're going to There's no way. Okay. I think you'll have like one or two idiots like bring it up. Or Taylor Green. They, they yeah. will shut that down in two seconds. Yeah. As they well, should. Now, will that Good. stop her on Instagram from putting shit up on there that goes, you know, impeach this clown? Of course not. Will it sell her, stop her from sell, selling a t-shirt that says that? No, it won't. It's, it's not going to stop them, right? But can you stop them from doing a one minute on the floor? No. But it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So... I do have a few questions here if you guys would like to play a quick Q&A. I don't know how much time you have, uh, Mr. Mike. We have, to, but... we have time. Okay. So this is a political personality test, and I'm just going to read a few of them. You tell me the answer. So the first one is, which is worse? Helping drug cartels to get four times as rich from human trafficking or being mean to people illegally sneaking into our country. Which is worse? I think the biggest thing that we don't talk about compared to... The former. Uh, right. Correct. But we don't talk about what people care about. I mean, they care about drugs. But a lot of people don't do drugs. 
What they care about is what they're flooding into our schools, they're flooding into our hospitals, they're flooding into what taxpayers have to pay for. And I think that is a bigger issue when talking about MS-13, especially in Texas. You have all these people that can't speak English and they're going into our public schools and they're disrupting the public schools. They're going into our hospitals. And who's paying for the hospitals for the illegal immigrants? We are doing that. That, I think, is a good talking point, not so much talking about MS-13. Okay. So Which next work? Because I want to I want to move on to the next topic. Go ahead. Oh, you got well. There's so many of them. Why don't we just go on to the next topic? Because we could be here literally for two hours. So we'll go. Follow, those are those are called QFRs. Those are questions for the record. So we'll uh, we'll answer those at a different time. We promise within a 30 day cycle. It's um, okay. Twenty Mike, 2024. What's your uh, what's your uh, your view on what has to happen for 2024 on our side and who who may be the individuals that uh, that uh, uh, replace Biden unless he is so emboldened that he has to run. Sure. I mean, I, I think the, the obvious is obvious take is, is is Gavin Newsom and you have to go after him now. You have to you have to start painting the picture right now, which is what the Democrats did against Mitt Romney. They attacked yep. him way early. They did not wait until he won the nomination. And what Newsom was doing, it has been doing to DeSantis. Literally did it this elect, uh, last cycle, putting out ads in Florida, telling them to come to California as if Californians weren't moving to Florida or so who's here. The, uh, who's the nominee uh, on our side in 2024, Mike? DeSantis. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not DeSantis. Say this. Tell us why. Because name the last nominee that was the nominee that everybody thought was going to be the nominee two years before the election. Na na name him. Definitely wasn't Trump. It definitely wasn't uh, Mitt Romney when he was the nominee. It wasn't really Giuliani either, was it? Remember that? Correct. And look, even even on the Democrat side, they didn't think it was going to be Barack Obama. I'll tell you that. Um, they didn't think it was going to be John Kerry. Okay, I am just saying who we think is going to be the nominee two years out. I do not believe it's going to be the nominee two years out. As much as I like DeSantis, just because what are they going to do? They're going to spend two years crushing this guy. Yeah, but I think, and this is my take on why I think that it's going to be DeSantis. I think Trump is pulling a circa 98 move where he ran as an independent to clear the way. Uh, for Bush, because we saw what Perot did to his daddy in 92. <clears throat> I think the reason Trump is entering into the race as early as he is, is to start getting the headway, taking the negative headlines, taking the attention away from DeSantis, and then DeSantis is going to come in later. Trump's going to clear out the path and boom. Ron Ron's running. 2024. So I I don't discount what Mike said. I don't agree with him. And here's why. Um you about what are we in November? I want to say the first time I saw this ad nationally with Ed Rollins and Run 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 was um June or July, Mike. It was or uh, Rick, it was something like that. It was in the summer uh, yeah. when when he first established when somebody first established the run, run, run thing, 
and yeah. then you saw um, Top Gov come out after that, right? You know, the, uh, yeah. the Top Gun thing on top of that. And so, you know, Gula has an enormous amount of experience, as does White Boy Bob over here. I think, Mike, they've learned from the Romney experience, the Giuliani experience, etc. And because um, people still, and, and I'm talking about the the uh, um, uh, Blackstone guys on down to the middle level billionaires, multimillionaires, remember how incredibly good the economy was and regulatory free, right? <clears throat> and you didn't have this really negative impact on markets with um, concerns about energy, which affects everything from labor to production to uh, operational control to planning. I mean, I, I was sitting next to the CEO of uh, Signature Aviation on the way home, right? And he's a oil and gas buyer, right? For his operations, they're all over the globe. We were talking a little bit about that, and also his aviation operations and so forth. And he and he said something to me. He said, "You know, put it all in crypto. The ability, pardon me, put it all in crypto. That's what he told you." Well, we were both laughing our asses off about that guy. I was like, "Yeah, I hope he likes prison food and penis because the guy is going to prison." Okay, I mean, he's going to be a thirty-year-old Bernie Madoff. Uh, it might take two years. Uh, with uh, his ability to uh, keep spending. But the more this asshole and his video shows up uh, on Twitter, the fewer and fewer uh, trial lawyers are going to defend him, I can tell you right now. And I think, I think David Boyce uh, and an amalgam of other high-profile lawyers have already gotten together on this class action lawsuit that's been filed. Can, because, sorry uh, to pull you off your aviation rant. No, 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 it's all right. But I mean, you look at the litany of, of, of billionaires that are on that list from and multimillionaires from Steph Curry to Tom Brady. And those son of a bitch has got deep pockets. And yeah, you can find a lot of individual investors to go sue the shit out of them, right? Anyway, um, he found it incredibly easier to be able to, uh, to buy um, uh, fuel when energy was consistently abundant and it didn't disrupt the global economy the way that it does. And, and so there are enough of those people around, they're hungering for a return to that. They've, they've seen DeSantis for four years demonstrate his capacity and they're willing to put a bet on him. I think what our problem is, Mike, is the math. And that is the, 10 or 15 egos that are flying out to fucking Las Vegas to the Jewish coalition meeting uh, to get feted and, and try to talk, you know, these guys into uh, raising money for them. I mean, I had, I had three governors there, uh, Asa, Charlie Baker, and, and Larry Hogan at RGA. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Right? You're, you're no longer governor. This is a winter meeting, bro, post-election. Well, of course they were there. All the fundraisers were there. All the money was there, right? Um, and and my friend Chris Christie was running around like a chicken with his head cut off and fucking crack up. But we have to thin that herd because, again, I know it's a little boring, 
but the rules of the Republican National Committee is whoever gets 35% is the fucking nominee. And Trump can start out with 25%. That ain't good. And after what he said, I'll tell you this right here on the show, because I've said this. No, I haven't said it before. After what he said about my lieutenant governor and what he said about my governor, I'm done with Orange Man. I'm done. I didn't go to Mar-a-Lago Thursday and Friday because I'm here on the show. Uh, I canceled that visit to the AFPI uh, winter meeting. I, I'm not going. There's no way I'm done. The guy cannot well, you would have... fucking win. He cannot get to 270. He can get maybe to a buck 80, maybe a buck 90. That's it. And then you put fucking dum-dum or his replacement in the fucking White House in 2024. That's my assessment. Mike? I, I, I couldn't agree more, but the only way to win is you've got to get half of his voters out. Yeah. You still have to get some of those people out. But they will wait. They're not stupid. They will. No, they're not. They're not stupid. They will wait until the most ideal time, and then they will indict him. And anybody thinks is this guy's not getting indicted, they're crazy. Well, look they what happened today. The most opportune time right. that hurts us. Look, look what happened today. Special counsel uh, announced by uh, by uh, the whining attorney general who didn't get to be a SCOTUS uh, uh, judge. Right? Did you see that today? Merrick? Yeah, they, uh, they announced the special counsel, the Justice Department did, into Trump which is the smart thing to do both legally as well as politically and let the special counsel investigate this guy, which puts a power over the top of him the way they did from the moment he came down those fucking golden escalator uh, seven years ago. It's perfect. Yeah. But we, we still have to get enough of these egos to not run in a primary. Um, I, I mean, Mike Pompeo, give me a fucking break. I can run Rick over here as a candidate and get more it's votes crazy. than Pompeo. It's crazy. It's fucking insane. I can, I can run Uncle Rico over here. You can raise all the money for him. Boom. The guy's a legit candidate. 2024, right? folks, on the ballot. Rick Cochran and Carrie Lake, man. What a ticket. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who's having a worse month, Kerry Lake or Tom Brady? Tom Brady's fine because he's getting paid. Kerry Lake doesn't know where her next check's coming from. Well, yet. Tom Brady was part of FTX, and I can't wait until these guys, as you saw, they, they're named in the suit. Wait till they have to get deposed. Can't wait for that. Yeah, That's have him have Steph Curry explain what is crypto. They're <laughs> screwed. They'll just play his uh, commercial where he goes. You're a crypto genius, right? Some dude. He goes, no, I'm not. He goes, it's all here, right here for me. It's right here on my screen. I don't have to be. Yeah, you down? Yeah, they got, they got paid. They got early shares. They got buy-in. And the question is, where is that money now? That's how stupid people are. That's, that's the concern with the American voter is that they could literally see Tom Brady do a crypto ad with all of his friends and think, hmm. That's a great place to start my investments. Hmm. TikTok influencers. That's a great place to get my politics and global <laughs> news. You know, there are so many bozos out there that just don't want to do the work. They don't want to read both sides and try to figure out, okay, where's the meat on this bone? You've got all types of sides that are just going to be filled 
mm -hmm. filling the plate with BS because it's this side or that side, but there's always meat on that bone somewhere in there. And people are just too lazy to do the work. They either don't have the time or they don't have the attention span and they need their quick 15, 20, 30 second clips that's going to tell them something that's going to entertain them and also give them the gratification that they're getting smarter and that they're right. So that's my rant. So I want to ask, um, I want to ask Mike, um, you know, what are the 118th um, Congress priorities for the GOP as you see it? What do they have to do to maintain their majority through the 2024 reelect? <laughs> <laughs> he just, he, he leaves the screen, goes what? over to get a bottle of scotch. <laughs> Like, what they have to do? Honestly, I don't think they're gonna be able to do anything. They're not going to do anything. I think having the majority in the House is such a small aspect of being able to do anything. They can pass whatever they want. The Democrat Senate will say, "Okay." And God forbid if it gets to the Democrat Senate, the White House will be like, "Stop." We just have to look competent. Competent. We have to look like we're trying. Pick a couple issues and just look like we're trying. That's it. Just throw something to the Senate where they said we did our job. Who cares if it fails in the Senate? Just Correct. look like we're trying. And and that that way we can videos. broadcast. Oh, by the way, shut it down. Take a look. What are we looking at? Your Did face you frozen. That? I see you smiling. Trump says he won't partake in special counsel investigation slams as worse politicization of justice. What a guy. That just came up today. I'm like, well, yeah, you will. You don't have a choice there, partner. You know, well, I am going to so miss why? when Trump is out of the news because I really did appreciate his comment about uh, anybody with drugs or dealing drugs, he's going to seek the death penalty on. That was really uh, so Trumpy. And I'm going to miss those random uh, softballs when they're gone. Well, and, you know, what, what Mike just said, you know, I completely agree with in terms of process. So we have to be able to execute our agenda in the House. We will have the votes to do it, right? You can get to 218 most of the time on bigger things, regular order committees and subcommittees acting like they are supposed to act uh, instead of CRs and no budgets and all this crap, right? And then kick it over to the Senate, let them decide to uh, screw it up. If they pass something, Biden is either going to sign it or veto it, right? And we're going to end up with smaller margins anyway. 2024 is going to be very important, obviously. But if we have nothing we send the Senate, nothing that's of value, we can't go into 2024 saying we have to have the Senate if you want real change. If we look like we can't govern, we don't have the talking point to say we can govern. We need the Senate. Mm -hmm. We need the White House. So if, if we can't look competent, we're all in the House. You guys are definitely right. We need to be looking competent we need to keep throwing stuff at the senate so that we can broadcast all of the work that we have trying to get accomplished without bipartisan help and then obviously tackling the issues leaving some of the bullshit aside 
abortion, trans rights, et cetera, et cetera, focus on parenting, focus on crime, focus on the economy, focus on the border. Blast it all over everything. Make it seem presented in a way that your rights are being taken away. Your streets are unsafe. Your meals are being taken off of your table. People are suffering, et cetera, et cetera. And then show the nice cushy lives of these people and how they live. Defund police. Oh, they have private security. We want homeless encampments. Well, let's move a homeless encampment into Beverly Hills, into Orange County. Let's see into Martha's Vineyard. Let's see how they respond when that happens. Oh, I'm just kind of a guess. Maybe it'll be like when the uh, illegal immigrants showed up in Martha's Vineyard and they sent them right to a nice cushy military base within 48 hours. You know, we need to start setting them up for failure using their words, their tactics. Let them step on their own toes. Let them live like this 100%. cycle. 100%. When uh, Abbott started shipping the immigrants to Dem-led cities, these sanctuaries, and they started calling for national security, federal <laughs> emergency aid. We should have been blasting side by side. This is what they said. This is how they respond. They are full of shit. Right. Uh, he just sent a busload to Philadelphia for the first time. I almost died laughing. I was down in Orlando when he did that. So I have a real quick question for you. Um, Martha's Vineyard is a small island. I mean, I've been there. Uh, I, Mike, I think you've been there too. Um, they know how to how swim. do you rob a bank on a small island uh, and not get caught? Because somebody just ro- two people just robbed a bank and they still haven't found them yet. Submarine. <laughs> Somebody's got a U-boat or something. Yeah, right? I was going to say, did they know where the Nazi gold was hiding? Right. Don't doubt that it's there. So, well, I think that, I think personally that with, you know, they can take aspects of commitment to America and do all that wonderful stuff too. But at the end of the day, um, there are a lot of um, experienced members of Congress that are going to take over committees, um, you know, the Kay Granger types, the Tom Coles and, and other folks on the appropriation side, but these men and women know how this process is supposed to work. Um, And if leadership is smart, instead of um, top down stupid, like they have been the last 25 years that, um, well, I've been here for 35 years almost. um, They will get results that we can turn around and sell to the American voter and go, we're doing it. It's working. Here's a, here's a question. Here's a question for you two. You're yeah. you you're, you're talking about 20, 25 years ago. When, in your opinion, did the Republican Party caucus go like this to like this? What was the, What was the What was the one defining point when our caucus was crushing, and then we got really weak, and got rolled over? Uh, the election of George W. Bush. No. I mean, in my opinion, no. So the reason I say that is we had a we had a uh, a DLC center uh, right president in Clinton that gave us five balanced budgets, welfare reform, uh, a huge um, uh, 
tax cut on, uh, on, on investments. And he knew he couldn't get reelected in 96 capital, uh, capital gains. Couldn't knew he couldn't get elected in nine reelected in 96, even though the economy was going like this, right? Um, if he didn't do what needed to be done after getting his butt spanked in 94, after passing a crime bill in 93 that nobody liked, whether you were a black person or whether you were a gun owner, people were like, fuck that, right? Um, and then we drew up a contract with America. I was part of that team as well. Um, and we actually executed on it because we had great messaging in that team, right? You had Delay, you had Army, you had Newt, you had a handful of other seasoned politicians. And so that, I'd say that 10-year period from 95 to maybe the end of 04, uh, the re-elect of 43, the caucus was, um, was still soaring this way and then dropped off a cliff. Uh, after that, but what what do you think? What tell me why you're asking that semi rhetorical question? I don't <clears throat> semi rhetorical. We haven't had anybody that's kept anybody in line, which has allowed all the crap, all the okay. freedom caucus. It was oh, yeah. we kicked Tom Delay out. Oh, well, I was Tom Delay. When you got the hammer, when you they got when we lost of the, the hammer. hammer. Yeah, I think it drastically the affected that's, the caucus. That's what I'm talking about. That five-year period in particular was just, I mean, you fucked around, Rick, and you had Bill Gerald, uh, a handful of other, uh, Ken Carroll, a handful of other guys calling you on the phone as a chief of staff going, what the fuck is your fucking boss doing? Get that motherfucker to the fucking floor. He's voting on this fucking bill. Thank you very much. I don't want to hear anything, anything more. Bingo. I'll see you on the floor Bingo. in two and a half minutes. Click. Like we have that. nothing you like had, that now. No. Nothing. Oh, no. We have a bunch of fucking pussies for the most part. You had guys like Bud Schuster. Now you're getting me fucking cranked up. You had guys like Bud Schuster, the transportation and infrastructure chairman. Do you know how many fucking people are on that panel, Rick? 76. 77. Between 72 and 77, depending on the margin, right? That's 71 other people who can do favors for the rest of the fucking caucus. And Bud Schuster used to take that fucking list of all those commitments, have it right in his pocket, and go like this to leadership and go, fuck you. I got 250 fucking votes right here, and you, you only need 218. I'm, you're not touching the gas tax, number one. And I'm going to pass anything I want the way I want it. And you don't have people like that anymore either. Kay Granger, give me a fucking break. She's a school teacher. All right. And how did that happen? We got. How did we lose that type of man to represent on Capitol Hill? It starts with leadership. Mm-hmm. Nobody was afraid of Denny Hassert. Nobody was afraid no. of Paul Ryan. No. People respected John Boehner. People respected sure. John Boehner, but they weren't afraid of John Boehner. The yeah, little, bit, little bit. Drink with. So, yeah. why have pacifists been able to be successful in gaining leadership roles or even getting the votes, getting into these positions? Why are we seeing this shift in what? a male politician is supposed to look like. You know, 
there's a lot of things that we can point to. The reason I said 2006 is because, you know, we're coming out of Iraq, WMDs, but technology is booming. All of a sudden, the world is getting more expansive. Television deals start coming into play. Entertainers are now making a ton more money. You know, we can't not look at how television, media has transformed the world that was into the world that it is now. How we look at males, females, human beings 15, 20 years ago is a lot different than the way we look at them now. And in that, we had identity politics. We had a war that people were questioning. And here's this guy, Obama, that wins in a landslide because we're running Palin and McCain. And this guy starts that shift of identity politics taking hold. You got stuff like the Chappelle Show, which opened the eyes to white America about black culture, hip-hop culture. Then you've got entertainers that are now on the cover of magazines, not just hip-hop and sports magazines, but they're in the fashion. They're into becoming moguls. You're seeing yeah. a shift in pop culture yeah. and what false idols look like. And all of a sudden, well, because of the broadcasting, because of the television yeah. deals that are making these people rich, all of a sudden, we start to shift our idols and people are looking at the human right. species, male, female, in a lot different aspect and in, in a very different light now. So and we, we haven't caught to, up to it because yeah, so we back back to what we were said. doing that moral uh, playing the moral oral yeah. for so long, the righteous so you had, Christian you had different, Republican. You had different consultants that were just presidential consultants. And then you had different consultants that were just over here in the House. I mean, the, the U.S. Senate, the U.S. Senate tends to constantly forget that the House of Representatives actually exists. They're like, oh, oh yeah, you motherfuckers. Yeah, oh yeah, 435 loud beer guzzling assholes over there, right? Um, and and then they go, oh, what's a governor again? Oh, yeah, that guy or gal. Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't really see them unless they want something, right? So you had all these disparate entities out there, but what you did have as a central noisemaker uh, hammer was a guy like Tom DeLay, right? The question for me is, so Richard Hudson is going to run the NRCC, right? He's a congressman, Rick, from South North Carolina. Mm -hmm. The thing that he and uh, Kevin McCarthy have in common, both of whom I've known since they came to the Hill in the 90s, um, and Mike is, Mike's known him for a long time, is they were both Hill staffers. They also took their boss's old seats um, in Congress. And we're going to find out if Kevin McCarthy um, is going to remember what being a staffer and how the place was run in the 90s versus 20 years hence. And the same with Hudson. I, I would say that with, with Richard, you're going to find out the answer is probably yes, to some extent, perhaps with Kevin. But they're going to have to remember that um, we, 
we could pass anything we fucking wanted to in the 90s and even the early 2000s with Trent Lott, um, with other majority leaders came in after that um, as well. We'll see what the Senate does um, in terms of what comes over from the House and what leadership looks like. We'll know this time next year, next Thanksgiving, <laughs> whether they've learned that lesson or not, or if they like severely fucked it up. Yeah. Well, well go ahead. No, please go ahead. Go ahead, please. I was just going to say, we need to start tapping into the ability, convincing independents and people in the middle how to tune out to the media that we have presented that is obviously slanted. And the way to do that is to create more outlets for people to get their information. You know, Musk taking over Twitter is going to be a small help. But right now, we're not going to be able to work on messaging. It's we're running a hundred yard dash with. Oh, no, it's like Fox News in 96, just being born. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to figure out a way to connect with audiences outside of the the staunch Republican Hmm. and figure out how to convince people across the aisle or in the middle to want to go to some of these alternative media sources, not fearing that it's going to be what they've been told, which is MAGA, 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 extremism, 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 racism, racism, racism. Right. We have so to remember, start remember what we outright. talked about a little bit ago about um, uh, FTX and the Democrats not giving a shit. Well, yesterday, Chris Ray in uh, his little hearing uh, on the Senate side said TikTok um, is of a national is a national security concern. Well, guess what? Over at the Democrat National Committee, they don't give a fuck. All right, because. Beto O'Rourke, Barack Obama, and goddamn uh, Tim Ryan showed up on a TikTok video with a bunch of 20-year-olds. They don't care. And we Biden fix- invited influencers of the White House to help boost the ratings for Democratic candidates. Like, it's no secret that they have been well linked into social media whether it's working directly with big tech to squash stories. We could go on and on about that. But the fact is, is that they work with people in these industries to sell their products. Whereas there is a small community of people that do the same thing, but they don't have the same megaphone. And we need to figure out how to, how to, sell the American people that there is a message worth hearing that while it doesn't need to be hip and cool and fresh, but it's worthwhile, it's worth checking out, and that this other stuff is not up to par. Go ahead. I think the way you do that is you have to go after, if you want people to start listening, and right now they're, they're zoned out of Republicans. They're zoned out of what our message really is. So you got to grab them or they're going to turn their head and say, they're not crazy. So talk about transgender issues that affect 0.001% of the population that they want girls or boys to run with, with 
with boy races, get their attention. And once you have their yep. attention, then you can start bringing in the issues that you were discussing. And how do we get these outlets? You, you, we have to stop being afraid of what we believe in. We have to stop being afraid to say, boys should not be in girls races. Mm -hmm. You should not be able to do hormones in your daughter when you don't even give, then they don't even have permission. Get right. radical issues that 98% of the country believes in, and mm -hmm. then you get their attention. Yeah, the parental rights yeah. set of issues, that whole package from curriculum to parental notification on a litany of things um, is a extremely potent yes. Uh, yes. set of issues. We can, yes. we can do really this, is. but and, how do we get we, the traffic? We've seen the, we've seen the value of it in the 21 election. You've seen it again in 22. You will see it again here in the Commonwealth and in the Commonwealth of Kentucky that have um, uh, they have a governor's race there and in Louisiana in 23. And then you have a handful of state legislatures that are up in 23. Then you have a fucking boatload of them up in 24 with Congress, with the president, governors, blah, 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 all that crap. So we can definitely position ourselves in such a way that we can use that potency to get their attention, as Mike has indicated, but also bring them along on it. Because you have to illustrate, whether it's the Green New Deal, or as David Brooks call it, called it in the New York Times, which I thought was fucking hilarious, called it a cotton candy mentality when referring to AOC and the Green New Deal and abolish ICE and defund the police, because it were, they were policies that didn't mean anything. And you, you have a... Everybody in, on our side says, oh, yeah, we need an all of the above strategy on energy. Well, what does that really mean? You know, show what works. And then you show this little tiny 3% sliver that gets most of the media attention that doesn't work. It's not ready. You can't even build a cardboard box around it to package it because it doesn't work. Right. And we want to put all our eggs in that basket. And then you show all the people that voted for it or supported by it, and it turns into another FTX. That's one way that you do that, I think. Right. So in the in the time that we've got left, you guys, um, uh, talk about whatever else is on your mind about what we've experienced in the out aftermath of the midterms, what you think we need to do going forward, and, and what does 2024 look like? And more importantly, you know, who wins the White House in 2024? That's, that's, a, that's a crazy question to ask, but I'm just going to throw that one out at the end. Well, I think if we, I believe if we want to win the White House, we cannot have 10 people running for the White House. We need to have three or four really good ones yeah. that can actually win. So the, you're not in a debate where you're speaking for 1.2 seconds, all right? The, and that they will use 10 Republicans and yeah. against all of them. So have a smaller pool that can actually win. And that's where the money guys, the big money guys like the Peter Thiels will say, Mike Pompeo, you're not winning. I'm not going to give you money. So you have to shut the money off to people you know are going to win. You really know people like that aren't going to win the White House. We have a very good opportunity. If we, if we lose to Gavin Newsom, that is our own fault for God's sakes. Yeah. God knows we're not going to lose to Kamala Harris. So yeah. we have a very good opportunity, but it, I do believe it starts in the House of showing competency. If we don't show competency, we can't say if we don't win the White House, nothing will come to fruition. 
Then we'll go after a bigger prize. So give us that one. Yeah. Exactly. What about you, Uncle Rico? Number one. Um, I think everyone should wear knitted hats. I think everybody should wear knitted hats. There we go. I think adults should slam on social media and make it uncool so that kids will turn away from it. (laughs) Seriously. I think they should just flood it and make it uncool so that they can't get their bullshit news. Because if you know influencers and know that community the way I do, it, it, they're, they're not a bunch. And the people that watch that stuff are religiously. I mean, there's people that watch social media like it's a streaming device. They, that's where they get their entertainment. And we have to figure out a way to tap into that. We also need to figure out a way to make them fall on their own swords, to use their words against them. So what that means is we need to start meeting them on their own fields and bringing up factual information, presenting it to them in a way that there's no way that they can't reach a conclusion that makes them look hypocritical. But we have to do it in a way that they organically come to that conclusion and we're not telling them what it is. Like, we cannot tell people how to think, feel, do. It's basic freedoms. It's America. It's why we exist for so long. When you tell somebody to do something, they're going to push back. And we need to find a way to welcome in people that we see as nut jobs, crazies, because they look at us in some aspects and look at us as crazy and extremists. And we need to find a way to meld on a common ground and show that there are bipartisan policies that we can put into place on this side and that there are people on this side that you have believed are have your best interests in mind that actually have no interest of getting anything done that is outside of what they believe so somehow we need to tap into media technology grassroots grassroots has to be a key and then like you guys were talking about earlier how we spend the money where we spend the money who the donors are and how we can get all of this stuff basically efficiently utilized in a way that we're going to be able to target certain areas of the country that need it and leave the bullshit aside where we know it's wasted ducats. Well, so I'll give you a, I'll give you kind of an assessment of how I think we can move forward based on what we experienced and what our strengths are. We have more women in the Republican conference than I can remember right now. Uh, have a large variety of experience. I mean, young Kim, she used to work for Ed Royce forever in his district office in Fullerton, right? Ed was a client of mine. Ed was a client of Mike's. Good guy. Um, she has an extremely unique story, very much like uh, uh, Hung Cow, who was defeated here in Virginia's 10th district against Wexton in this cycle. 
But then you also have somebody like Jen Kiggins, who in Virginia too, and Mike and I both live in Virginia, as you know, Rick, um, ran an extraordinarily good campaign. I mean, just incredible. She was a very good candidate, well-funded, uh, had um, extremely good pedigree from a military background, uh, and she's from Virginia Beach, which was one of the largest um, military contingents in the country. So was her husband as well. She's also a geriatric nurse, or excuse me, a nurse practitioner in geriatrics, but she was a very good candidate. Virginia 7, which had a law enforcement officer, yes, Lee Vega, Latino, um, city council member in Prince William County, the messaging was not as good, and she couldn't flip that seat. You saw that around the country on both sides, and then, of course, you had the extreme candidates, both left and right. And so a lot of voters, I've noticed in the exit polls and just the outcomes, um, stayed in the middle. They voted for what they knew. Uh, first co post-COVID election, which I think is more, you know, bunting and, and confetti than reality. And they didn't buy into the extremes on either side. If we message more effectively, show that we said we did what we said we were going to do, offer people an alternative uh, to what the other side is putting out there instead of trying to hide their extremism with a guy like Hakeem Jeffries and that contingent, we will be able to illustrate that you either want this bag of razor blades over here or you want a nice comfortable beanbag chair to sit in. What do you want? Right? And at the end of the day, we've, we've got to have a, a team at all levels, committee levels on the political side, as well as the um, uh, folks that, that help get candidates elected to the presidential side, they have got to be talking to each other, as well as the gubernatorial candidates and those, and those incumbents and their consultants and all that messaging. They've got to be able to do that. Because um, we have too many people like Asa Hutchison, he doesn't have an ice huge chance in hell, of becoming uh, president of the United States. Larry Hogan, forget about it. Pompeo, forget about it. Nikki Haley, fucking forget about it. It's not gonna happen. I've been saying this and I've told you this before on shows, Mike and I've talked about it a little bit, but Mike, my opinion of who the nominees could be both for president and vice president next year, God forbid, we're going to Minneapolis instead of Nashville. Yeah. Is that where the convention is? Yeah. Again? Yeah. That was the so most horrific place to have a convention in two, two different course. cities. Because the dipshits at the RNC said that the liberal weenies in Nashville, because the, the town is run by liberals, right, uh, said their, their, um, uh, their administrative council couldn't make up their mind in enough time for the RNC to make a, a decision in a blood red fucking state like Tennessee. If a Democrat, other than Steve Cohen, who's barely hanging on in fucking, you know, uh, Knoxville or Memphis, um, gets elected there again, I'd be shocked. Right? So yeah, uh, the RNC is going to, the convention is going to be next summer in goddamn uh, Minnesota. Um, we have the ability, we have the ability to um, drive home a message for the next two years 
that makes us the go-to default choice on everything from gas prices to parental rights. I mean, the whole thing. And that's what we've got to do. We don't have any other choice. So and the so one thing me, really, really been DeSantis at the top of the ticket. And one of the, one of the four, depending on polling and national conditions, uh, Christy Nome, I told you this before is, is my first choice out of that. This is in, in order. Glenn Youngkin, Tim Scott, but I don't want him to leave the Senate, uh, or Nikki Haley as VP. Going to depend in here. These people are all electable with him on that ticket. In my view, that's that's uh, that's what I'm, I'm focused on. I like the idea of getting at Newsom early because you can already see with the way that the House is going to, if they're smart, drag out this Biden investigation well into 2024, uh, so that he'll basically be a lame duck. And if Newsom, I, I can't imagine Pritzker really, I no. mean, maybe, but no. we need to focus more on Newsom and start pointing out all of the tragedies. Which What's the easy. deficit in easy. California right now? Like they had like a 120 billion surplus. Now they're in the, they're in the black one. Ninety billion dollar surplus, thirty-eight billion dollar deficit now. So that's a hundred and twenty-eight billion dollar swing that's to the right. negative side. Yep. But with Petroleum Boy, which is what I call him, because his old man was the general counsel for Getty Oil, right? So he grew up with a, uh, uh, a an oily silver spoon in his mouth. Is he's the first governor in the history of the Golden State, my home state, to ever lose um, congressional seats. And we can go all the way back to him when he was mayor of how that city is fucked up, let alone the state. So well, there, start there are prepping for 2024. Beautiful. Beautiful. Listen, man, I want to, you know, you guys, Mike, we got to do this again. You got to uh, join Love us. To. Uh, this was great. It's great uh, meeting you. I really want to thank, Absolutely. you know, obviously everybody in the audience uh, that decided to join us on the No Filter Network. The <laughs> No Filter Network. We really appreciate everybody's time. Uh, Mike, uh, of course, you know, you're a brother. So uh, I thank you again thank you. from the bottom of my heart. Uncle Rico, you're amazing as usual. I mean, especially with the holiday spirit. Right Seriously, getting in early. Gula, you'll learn this very soon. I am a whore for the holidays. I love I'm it. That, I'm that, that guy. Don't be unapologetic. Yeah. Don't be unapologetic. Nice. Just like Republicans should be. Don't be unapologetic. He's the, he's the yep. Kamala Harris for the holidays. <laughs> Absolutely. I I uh, <laughs> I steer into the swerve. We'll put it like that. Absolutely. Headlights blaring, mm-hmm. you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, but no, I really appreciate you guys doing this. Um, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot more we're going to cover uh, in the weeks and months ahead. And, uh, and, you know, we welcome it because this is, uh, this is the place to be. Absolutely. Thank you guys for your Thank time. You. This was fun. Thank you guys for all the information. It's great for me to get to pick two minds who actually do it, have been in it, still are in it. And it's good for the audience out here to get a little perspective on just what it's like uh, behind closed doors because – We don't get enough of this. 
the American people don't get enough of this. We need to really start hearing from people that are in the game that know what the fuck they're talking about and aren't going to pull punches because they're afraid to upset a donor, uh, CEO, you know, you can trust that what you guys say you believe. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to is the honesty and the integrity that we get to put in on this show. So thank you guys for giving us that in spades. Thanks. This was great. You guys have a great Absolutely. weekend. All right, we'll talk soon. Have a great holiday, you guys. Take care, right. guys. Do the same. Bye. Bye.